0: Yes, may he be magnified in each and every one of us. Worship him. Thank him for what he's done in your life. Father, we just lift you up at this time. We say yes, be magnified in our lives individually. Be magnified in the lives of us corporately as a, joined together as the church. Be magnified in this church in our community so that we would make a difference in our community. May you be magnified in all that we do and all that we are. And may you be praised and glorified through all our efforts, our individual efforts that you call us to, as well as our collective efforts as the church. And we praise you in this time, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Give God a good amen and amen. Thank you, worship team. Y'all may have a seat and tell the person, say, be magnified, be magnified. Well, welcome to the Life Church. I, I, I just, my brain cannot get off food right now. I'm normally not hungry at this time, and I'm okay, but I think my brain's like, I know the food is just right over there, and it's like thinking food, 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 like the alarm is going off, so hopefully I can stay focused today and not be too distracted by all the food that I know is over there, uh, especially Miss Sadna, uh, I think, has got some special stuff over there. Anyway, there's a lot of good stuff, and and uh, so, Miss Goodness' food, just be prepared. It's going to be hot because it's like some real African dish that she made. And so, just a fair warning, we'll, we'll have a label or something. We'll make sure y'all are aware of that and, and see who's brave. And Anyway, food, man. But then it works out because it's the series at the table. And that was part of the ideas. Last week, starting the series, just a short two-week series. And last week, you know, we did a different style of communion, of coming to the table, coming uh, to... Uh, break the bread and dip it in the juice and, and and celebrate Jesus in a different kind of way than we normally do. We traditionally do, and and today it's the same way. We're still we're still looking to come to the table and have communion in a different way than we normally do. It's just an opportunity for us to come together and have a meal, and so come to the table. I'll, I'll recap a little bit just to kind of for those of you that might may not, may not have been with us last week, and and. Uh, we're looking at a story out of Second Samuel chapter nine, and we looked at this story last week on on a guy named Mephibosheth, and uh, and 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 we had this story in Second Samuel. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, who's the son of Saul, who was a king. And of course, in this transition, this moment of war and battle, both Jonathan and Saul are killed. Uh, the 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 their dead in the midst of, the, of this battle and situation. I'm trying not to get caught up in details. There's so many details there, and I'm like, i got to keep moving. And, uh, and, and there's so much there. It's really good. And, and David had this promise to Jonathan, his friend, the son of the king. Um, and, and so David has this moment of, like, realizing that he's, he's in this position of power, and all of a sudden he's like, who of Saul's line can I bless? I, I, need, to, I need to bless something here. What I love about David that we see here, by the way, that I'm not sure if I touched on last week, is, is David wasn't just looking to do something because of his position, like of who he was. I believe David had a great understanding of the seat that he sat in, that it wasn't about him blessing somebody just because of who he was. It was a matter of honoring the position of, that he was in place of. It's like this is the thing to do. Now, it wasn't the normal thing to do of dynasties because you just kill off the whole family. You're taking over, right? You don't want to leave anybody left of the previous family. But David had a different understanding of honor, had a different understanding of kingship, had a different understanding of position and authority. And we see this countless times. So when I see David in this position of who can I bless, it wasn't just about just being a blessing for blessing's sake. It was I'm looking to honor the position that God has placed me in. And he's looking to honor those around him. You know, the same is not really any different, or the thing is not really any different for us in the positions that God has called us to. Of looking to see who we can honor, not because of who they are, but because of who we are. And there's a thing there. But David, he's looking to invite. And last week we talked about invited. And we're not looking to rehash. We've already talked about it. You may have come in today and just know that you are invited to the table. No matter what, the invitation has been sent. God has said you are invited. He made a decision thousands of years ago that you were going to be invited today, that you were going to be invited when you were a kid, whenever it was that you gave your life to Christ, or yet you may not have done that and it is still on the table. That invitation is there it's already sealed. It's already taken care of. We don't have to even discuss that. The invitation is there for us. And so this week we're talking about accepted. Because there's a difference between being invited and being accepted. And I think that should be real obvious as we move into Thanksgiving this week, because you know you got those relatives that you have to invite, but you do not want to accept. You know you got that uncle who's gonna run his mouth on whatever issue that you don't want to hear about anymore. You're tired of, and you're gonna have to sit there and tolerate. And it's like, oh, you're invited, but you are not accepted. If you don't have that uncle, you don't have that family member that does that. Maybe, maybe that's you. I don't know. But, uh, but invited but not accepted. Man, I remember I had when I was a kid and having to invite that cousin. Oh, really, mom? Do I have to? Yes, mom's like. Yes, you have to. Like, they're family. You have to invite them. You don't have to accept them. You have to invite them. And we have all these situations. And and not too many times in my life where I have got an invitation. It's like, really? You you invited me? Like, really? I'm like, uh-huh. Like, I know you just felt obligated. Someone made you. Who who sent the invitations for you? You know, you, you don't really want me to be there at that event. Invited but not accepted. As I looked at Mephibosheth, I saw this, this, this kind of, this struggle between the invitation and the acceptance. And I felt it was something that was worthwhile for us to look at. Not just being invited, but being accepted. I wrestled with this, with Mephibosheth. David calls him, and he comes, and Mephibosheth, he, he honors the position of David. He, he bows low and and I, and I wrestled with this because so many times in the world's way of thinking, we think, oh, well, okay, yeah, sure, acceptance. Yeah, yeah. So what'd you do to get accepted? What'd you do to earn the acceptance? Because in the world's way of thinking, it's you've got to do before you become. You've got to accomplish before you're welcomed. You've got to have the certain things in line and in order in your life before you can come into this space. And we think, so what did Mephibosheth do? And I I started wrestling and looking at this this dualistic issue of of the way the world thinks and the way God thinks. What did he do? Because I'm like, Mephibosheth, in case you don't know or or you weren't here last week or or not aware of the story, he didn't even do battle well. He was five years old when the battle comes and, and his nurse picks him up to escape to flee. You know, I want to pick on him up for fleeing, but he was only five years old when he flees, so we'll, we'll give him that. He flees the battle, but 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 the, his nurse drops him, and he becomes crippled in his feet. The word tells us. So, so so Mephibosheth, okay. So so you've been living all this time. What you've what have you accomplished in this time? But but it tells us that he was hiding out in a place called Lodabar, a place of, that means no bread. So you're crippled. You're hiding. You're doing that, Mephibosheth, what did you do to earn the invitation, to earn the acceptance that David is extending to you? And I realize how easy it is. And we see it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. You see, this greatest gift of all time doesn't come because of our accomplishments, our knowledge, our understanding, our education, our savings account, our vehicle we drive. It doesn't come from anything that can possibly be boasted about. So Mephibosheth must be in a place that has nothing to do with him whatsoever that he could accomplish. And I realized what it was. Mephibosheth was accepted because he was alive. Mephibosheth was accepted because he was breathing. It was that simple. This thing that is even involuntary that we can't even control is the very thing that qualified Mephibosheth for being accepted. He was breathing. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about how involuntary breathing is? You do it in your sleep. You do it when you're not thinking about it. It's just something that your body does. You can try to control it. You ever did that thing as a kid where you try to hold your breath for as long as you possibly could, try to control it? But no matter what, your body's going to win. Like you could try to hold your breath and even try to control the very breath in your body, but at some point, even if you pass out, your body's just going to start breathing again. It's like, okay, you finally get out of the way; I can do my job, right? Like, like how many times are things like that in our life where it's like, hey, you finally got out of the way; I can do my job, right? The spirit's to be like, okay, just waiting for you to get out of the way, and and realize that our acceptance is simply surviving. So for just this moment, just realize that the very breath you breathe, the very breath that you breathe is no different than the breath that was breathed into Adam. The very acceptance that God had when he created Adam in the garden and breathed life into this body that he had formed. Adam is accepted. So if you ever wonder, if you're ever struggling, even in the, the sense or the, the, the moment of sin, the moment of rejection, the moment of mistake, the moment of tragedy, the moment of depression, your very acceptance is the same acceptance as Mephibosheth. It doesn't matter if you're hiding in Lodabar. It doesn't matter that you feel crippled. It doesn't matter what situation you're facing. You're breathing. And that's all that's needed for you to be accepted. That's all we see with Mephibosheth. Can't take credit for it. There's no boasting. It's not even of your own control because God has already made a plan. He's already laid this out. He said, I have called you. I've purposed you. And what you see is not what I see. What you feel is not what he feels. We're breathing. We're accepted. By the way, I I did mean to actually tell those who take notes that I actually have three points for you today, uh, early Christmas present. Um, So the first point, if I didn't say, because I probably didn't because I never have points, uh, number one was actually can't earn acceptance. And number two is accept being accepted. Accept being accepted. When I felt this phrase come to me, I was like, really? Like, that's so redundant. Accept being accepted? Like, like, I don't even know about this one. Like, I, I wrestle with it. Like, I, I got to find better language for this, except being accepted. Like, I don't even get it. But here's the thing I see in 2 sec, Samuel chapter 9, finally getting back to the story. This is where we left off last week, by the way. I took us right up to this point last week, and I didn't want to get into the rest of this. I was like, I had more I wanted to look at with Mephibosheth. And, and in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8, it says, Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Even in the midst of being invited to the king's table, being invited to the castle, and still in the midst of of David showing acceptance and saying, look, I've called you forth. I'm I'm even promising blessing on your life. The things that have been stolen from you, that, that have been that you've been missing out on are the things I'm going to make sure you get back and Mephibosheth's response is but a dead dog like me you know too many times you know in today's culture we have a lot of fun with dogs I my wife and I have been on, the, on the social media trend about the people barking at their dogs especially uh, some of the bigger dogs and then they, I don't know if you've seen it if you haven't seen it you go look and uh and barking at the dogs, these hilarious videos and we think about dogs and we so much in our culture and our society, like we tend to, like, man, we just saw them really kind of, I tend to just skip past it. I'm like, okay, a dead dog like me. Oh, yeah, he's just being negative, right? And, and we just move past it and not realizing that for the culture of that time, how bad that really would have been. Even scripture talks about a, a dog that returns to his own vomits. Dogs were not accepted the way they are today. I saw a sign at the, the vet around the corner said, please do not feed your dog. Thanksgiving meal or something along those lines. I was like, but we love our dogs and we want to. They're so cute when they. I, I actually, I don't find a, a begging dog to be cute. But anyway, <laughs> I'm like, but um, but it's like it's it's oh man, man and and Thanksgiving at Pastor Walt's house by the way. All my sisters and everybody's got a dog and everybody brings the dog. It is crazy madhouse Thanksgiving. And uh, so we've got this different idea about dogs in our lives and our culture. But Mephibosheth here oh, he's bringing us something different. He's not just just saying like like a a negative phrase. He's not just being pessimistic about his attitude. He's giving himself a, a really harsh curse word, essentially, of how he views himself. But even in the midst of being accepted, he's still viewing himself in the same way. But how often do we do it? How often do we even like, we're even concerned about walking into church sometimes, it's like, oh, my goodness, but somebody's going to see my crippledness. Somebody's going to see my crippled mess of, of a life, and, and they're going to know. They're going to they're gonna know my deep, even the things that are inside our deepest, darkest secrets that we did the last week, the previous week, even the previous night. We're like, oh, somebody's going to know. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't even know. And sometimes we even allow that to keep us from walking through the doors because, like, our issues of Mephibosheth are going to be visible to those around us. And, man, just... Dead dog, like me. So many, so often we 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 find ourselves in situations. I, I've encountered so many people. This has been so common in the church. We've got a we've got a phrase called the Holy Ghost handshake. You ever had somebody try to give you money and you try to downplay it, try to excuse why you don't need the money, even if you know you need the money? You're still like, oh, no, I'm 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 good. I'm I'm working things out. I'm just trying to be patient. I'm just waiting on God. God's like waiting on me. I'm trying to give you money right there. Someone's trying to hand you something and you're trying to reject it because you don't feel worthy when I've already accepted you. We got a Holy Ghost handshake where we try to hide the money in the palm of your hand and you go to like to, to give a handshake to somebody and you, you slide it away, leaving the $20 bill, the $100 bill, whatever the money is, you leave it in their hand. Anybody know the Holy Ghost handshake? That's what we call it in the, in the charismatic church, Holy Ghost handshake. Because so many times we, we encounter where people are trying to reject the thing that we're trying to bless them with. Someone's trying to help you physically, help you move, help you do something. You're like, no, 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 I got it, when you really don't got it. How often do we find ourselves, even if we don't see ourselves as negatively as Mephibosheth, we find ourselves still trying to turn down the help being provided to us. We find it hard to humble ourselves to a place of being able to accept these, these things this, and get past this feeling of unworthiness Our feelings. In 1 John 3, 18 through 20, there's a little bit of a different context here, but I like the words. It says, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. It might even look at this as, Loving not just loving each other but loving ourselves, so we can love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions, not just believing in our head, but through our actions. Mephibosheth is struggling with showing through action that he actually loved himself the way God loved him, the way he saw himself, the way God saw him. It says our actions will show what we uh, excuse me that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident. When we stand before God, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. God is greater than our feelings. So many times we get in this place of how we feel, it says, and he knows everything. So despite feeling, despite our feelings of inadequacy, despite our feelings of being like a dog, despite our feelings of not measuring up, says, oh, whoa, whoa. but what's the truth of God's word? Because God's word is greater than your feelings. So let's just take a moment and let's break out of our feelings and look at God's word. What does God have to say about us? Because my feelings don't dictate or determine whether I've been accepted. God's word does. We often find ourselves choosing rejection. And I get it. Because sometimes... I can control rejection when I can't control acceptance. And too many of us, we've been rejected so many times in our lives, and, and the thing of acceptance has been uh, withheld from us in our lives. I mean, that's just, that's just all of high school, right? <laughs> the, the, the issue of acceptance, and that's just ingrained into us, at least some of us that weren't cool. Like, like we're coming up through high school, and we're like, never accepted, never invited, never, never part of that group that I want to be a part of. I don't know about you, like sometimes, especially in those high school years, be like, okay, if I can't control my acceptance, I can at least control my rejection. I can determine and and, and be in control of my life, and if I can't, and I can always choose when I will be rejected. I can do the things that will always ensure my rejection from that group, that culture, that society, those people, that church, right? I can always choose and control that form of my life, even when I can't control acceptance, there's something inside of us that desires so often to be in control in a world that is so uncontrollable. And sometimes we find ourselves in rejection. What did, what did Mephibosheth have to be in control of? He couldn't even move himself around in his crippled mess. He had no say in his life, even being royalty and lineage of King Saul. He's now in a place of not even being in control of his own life, having to hide having to be crippled? How do we we manage this? And sometimes we just fail to see. We don't have to live in the rejection of our own lives when Jesus has already lived that rejection for us. And it's not for us to continue to reside in. And so maybe those are feelings. Maybe that's a control Maybe it's just, man, you've been so formed by culture and society for so long that we find ourselves not breaking free from that. Maybe it's not you. Maybe you see this in culture. Maybe you see this in a friend or a family member. Maybe you see it in someone that you know is going to be at the table this Thursday for Thanksgiving. And we've been in this situation of, of seeing their crippled mess, 2 Samuel, back to the text. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him and produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. David saying, you're going to do all this work. This is going to be the blessing, but you're going to eat here at my table. Zebra replied, Yes, my lord the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, the important part of the text right here, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like the one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth and his acceptance is moved to a place. I love how David doesn't even acknowledge Mephibosheth's downside. He doesn't even acknowledge his pessimism, his negativity, his negativity. He didn't even, like, we don't see any acknowledgement of King David to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth says, but a dog like me, and David just moves right on along. I love that, that picture right there. But how often in a church do we get hung up on other people's crippledness? On their crippled mess? I thought about this. It says, Mephibosheth is sitting at the king's table. Do you imagine people walking into this royal place and coming in, and, and there's all the people at the king's table, this magnificent table, large table, and all these important people are up there. The king and his sons, and all these other people that represent, and there's all these important people, and there's Mephibosheth. And I just imagine somebody walking in, like guess, and being like, hey, yeah, who's that guy on the end? You know, they're just seeing Mephibosheth from the waist up, and they're like, Who's that guy on the end? Oh, that's Mephibosheth, yeah, he's crippled. Whoa! <laughs> like, like, what was the need of even explaining that he was crippled? My, 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 my perspective of what I could see in this moment, that had no bearing on anything I needed to know or understand about that person. What my understanding was, was that person was seated at the king's table, was not about their past, their history, their mistakes, or their mess-ups. How often do we get hung up at that very thing? Especially at Thanksgiving. Because you know that aunt's going to be there, Right? Point number three, covered in your acceptance. We so often are in a situation where the covering has been there. See, that's the thing about Mephibosheth. He's sitting at the king's table. In this magnificent table, with all its decorations, all its, all its Highlights of what it is is there. And Mephibosheth, even though he is still crippled, things are being restored, things are being done, he's he's been accepted after invited, and he's here. And Mephibosheth is sitting at a table, and his crippledness has been covered by the king's table. And too often I've dealt in my own brokenness. So much more than God. The king is saying, I've accepted you so much that I cover your situation. And I see him one last time looking at Mephibosheth's story. So it's not a hard enough name as it is. I'm going to like pluralize it and make it here or, or, or possessive uh, version of it and make it even harder. Second Samuel verse 13. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, it does remind us one last time, he was crippled in both feet. And what does it say? Lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. I like how Thomas Merton puts it. He says, I have become convinced that the very contradictions in my life, the contradictions of things that make no sense, that are contrary to each other, are in some ways signs of God's mercy to me. The contradiction of Mephibosheth is being crippled in a position of kingship at the king's table, not kingship as in that he was king, but in the presence of the king, being accepted and close to such royalty. Can only imagine the position of, of, of being listened to now and heard now in this posi- in this in this seat that he would be in. That everything that he was, everything that he had been, is now covered by the king's table. How often do we fail to realize that all of our past mistakes and issues and hang-ups, oh, there still may be consequences and things that we're having to overcome, but our mistakes, our sins are covered by the king's table. And let me say this, what the king covers, we should not uncover. We too often, whether we do it with ourselves or we do it with other people, what the king covers, we should leave covered. What the king covers, we should absolutely not uncover. And so often we want to rehash, we allow the enemy's voice to come into the side here and try to talk us down from the very thing God's trying to bless us with. We allow the voice of the enemy to get us to relive our mistakes and our issues and remind us of our crippled mess of a life. Say, oh, where do you think you're sitting? Where do you think you're going? Like that first time you're a kid moving to the big table and, and like you're no longer at the kiddie table and you're like, am I supposed to be here? You're like, you're kind of excited, but you're kind of nervous. You're just waiting for that older cousin that's going to, I'm just picking on family today. That older cousin is going to come. He's going to correct you and tell you to get back to the kid's table and, and, and maybe beat you up a little bit for it. And, and just my life, I don't know. Um, anyway, and, uh, and, and like we, we find ourselves in these situations because the enemy's trying to come in and trying to convince us out of the acceptance that God's already given us. And too often we allow those voices to come in. Too often we allow those voices to echo. Too often we allow those voices to come out of our own mouth. God's saying, I have covered your past. I have covered your mistakes. I have covered it. In Romans three twenty three, and we're closing up with this. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, say yet God, in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. God cannot save us unless we accept being accepted, which is one of the most difficult surrenders possible. We so often find ourselves. How much do we even see this in the world? And too many times we get caught up in the world's way of thinking of, of well, you got to dress a certain way before you come into the church. you got to talk a certain way before you can be a part of my group. You've got you to believe and vote a certain way before you can be a part of this. You've got to have this credential. We forget that there's no way to earn the gift of God, and so many times when we even look in Scripture, we see acceptance before even transformation t- takes place. We see acceptance first, and even in the church, sometimes we we fail to remember this: that that the, the acceptance, the love. I love, we're talking to Pastor David this week, and like one of my favorite books that, that transformed my life, it's a super old book from the 1890s called Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. Has, he, he quotes um, Beauty and the Beast reference? this was before Disney, obviously, in the 1800s, before 1900. And, uh, and, and he quotes and he says, and he talks about how the beast had to be accepted for who he was before he could transform to who he was meant to be. there's an acceptance that happens before a transformation. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus in a tree and invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Like, well, God's not coming to me. Jesus isn't coming to me. But yet we see in the text where Jesus invites himself. He said, no, 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 I'm coming to your house. He doesn't wait around for the invitation. And in the midst of transformation in Zacchaeus' Experiencing new life, he says, oh, in this moment of acceptance, he says, I will give back above and beyond everything I took as a, as a dirty, rotten scoundrel of a tax collector, right? Zacchaeus was known by his name and what his job was up until that moment. But did you think after that moment, Zacchaeus was any longer known as what he took from people? He would have been known as what he gave to people. But the acceptance came first. We can put down when Jesus says, go and sin no more. Oh, but how can words so little have such an impact? There had to be more. There had to be something that they had to do, that they had to accomplish, that they had to abide in. But Jesus knew the power of acceptance to know that the moment that I accept you, the son of the living God, you look into his face and he says, you are invited, you are accepted and I have brought you into this family, that moment that even when I say something so simple, that your life will forever be transformed. And we see in this acceptance, we see miracles, we see healings, we see transformations, we see all these things take place. Has there been something you've been struggling with in your life that you've been still thinking that you had to do something to, to make it work? You break free of the addiction and you find yourself back to it find yourself returning to the very thing like a dog. You find yourself getting free from situations or relationship that was unhealthy and you find yourself getting right back to it. And you still think that there's something that you've got to do in your life. Oh, I'm just not reading my Bible enough. I'm just not praying enough. I'm just not believing enough. I'm just not making enough money. I'm just not doing enough. I'm not serving enough, volunteering enough. And all a lot of those things can be absolutely good in our, in our processes, in our walk with Jesus, but are not things that will change your acceptance. They are not things that will change who God says you are. And I believe that's the most powerful miracle for us to realize. One of the most powerful. Salvation. Salvation, the turning of hearts. I'm thankful that even though I gave my life to Jesus as a kid, and I look back in that moment and I see a transformation that took place, that even though in my college years when I'm living for myself and partying and doing different things, I can look back and see, like, even in those situations, I can look back and see where where God was at work in my life. That I believe absolutely came from a moment that I gave my life to Christ. What is it you need to be reminded of this morning? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I thank you that you see our crippledness, that you see the crippled mess of our life. You know our hearts. You know, our feelings, know our thoughts. You know our past and our mistakes, and you know our struggles. You know what we face today, right here and right now. And still in this moment, we are Mephibosheth. We have been invited, we have been accepted. You have called us to sit at the king's table, you have called us to accept your invitation. You have called us to be covered and be no more what we used to be, but be who you have called us to be. You have called us sons and daughters. You have adopted us into your family. We simply believe. We simply say yes to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer for all of us And maybe if you feel that that you're not finding yourself in Mephibosheth, you've been there, you know Mephibosheth, you've lived that story. But maybe that's a story of someone even in your life that you're gonna see this week, whether it's family, coworkers, friends, and to to have the eyes to see a Mephibosheth and the heart to be like David. Let me say that again. The eyes to see the Mephibosheths in our life and the heart of King David to accept and invite them Maybe even inviting someone to your table that you wouldn't normally invite. Maybe someone that doesn't have family. This is just a prayer for all of us. So if you repeat this after me, say, dear God, thank you for Jesus and forgiveness and loving me even beyond my mistakes, my crippledness. You give me new life. Make me new today And help me to see those around me that are also crippled. To have a heart of compassion. To love them like Jesus. To have the heart of King David. To honor the place you have put me in. And to honor those around me. Thank you in the name of Jesus. We say amen and amen. Just praise God. Thank him in your own words right now. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. We praise you. We thank you for being such a mighty, wonderful, beautiful God to change our lives, to transform us, to move in ways that we have never seen before. We thank you, God. Man, it's a a powerful moment. Let's stand and get ready to worship. We're going to move into a time. Our prayer partners are going to be available. But this is a time for us to continue to press in. Maybe God's been speaking to you this morning about your life or a friend's life, a family member's life. Maybe he's still drawing you out of your past, still drawing you to the table, inviting you and accepting you. And, and, and maybe sometimes that's just a the literal step out of our brokenness, our crippled situation that we're in. We find ourselves taking a literal step of faith by coming forward to somebody and saying, you know what, I'm not ready to even say what it is, but I need prayer right now. I just need to believe with you for what God's doing in my life. And And sometimes those literal steps of faith is what breaks us out of our crippledness and gives us the freedom to walk in our journey that God's called us to when we do that. So know that our prayer team is here and let's press in and let's continue to hear God's voice and what he's saying to each one one of us.